Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. There's two people I know that shoot their age consistently. There's Marty West and Maury Povich. Right. They do it all the time. Did he get that look in his eyes after number one? Yeah, I bogeyed. What am I doing? Is that little glint? Yeah, and then then he hit it down the hill on two. Hit it all the way down to the bottom on two. It was a great honor for me to be there playing with him. And every once in a while he would say, good shot. As if like, wow, wow, look, look at, at this you. guy. He hit a good shot. You're just trying and not to hit shot, him out of the bunkers. A good shot isn't a good, it's just I escaped hitting it into the water. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Let's do a little business before we start the show. Claire Natola writes, Loyal Little and occasional emailer Rupa Sharma is turning 50. On Thursday, that's tomorrow, yes, happy July 27th. If any Cincinnati area littles are available for lunch on Thursday, a bunch of us, including the infamous Tony Beeson, are gathering to celebrate Rupesh at Condado Tacos on Freedom Way East in the Banks at 12.15. Just come along and we will add a chair. Happy birthday, Rup. Claire Natola is not of this earth. <laughs> she she is... Um, She's a fairy spirit yes. who alights here and there, comes and goes without leaving a trail, and just is there. Yeah. She's just there. From Maxwell Canefield, right? This is a friend of yours, Michael? Max, yes. Yeah. I wanted to share a small story about Lefty. the power <laughs> of this show's connective tissue. Lefty golfer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I volunteer with Hope for Henry, a local nonprofit that helps improve the quality of life for hospitalized children. I'm helping, putting on, helping put on a happy hour to benefit the organization. More on that in a moment. And I was charged with sourcing the wine for the event. This entailed calling local wineries and asking for discounts and small donations. As you might imagine, wineries are not necessarily keen on giving away their product for free, and I struggled to find partners for our event. My luck changed, however, on a breezy day in late May. I found myself at Northwest D.C. preeminent music venue, the cheese counter at Calvert Woodley. <laughs> See the attached picture for News Channel 8. As I it. listened to Dan Byrne perform odes to Barry Bonds' prowess and Victor Wembanyama's wingspan, I wondered if Calvert Woodley might be able to help me out. I told the store briefly about my event, made passing reference to my love of your show, and asked if they could help with a discount or a small donation. If you know anything about the power of the show, you can guess what happened next. Before I knew... Calvert Woodley offered to provide the wine for our entire event. Wow. Free of charge. Michael Sands. Yeah, that's, that's How great. wonderful. The happy hours this Friday, July 28th at 5.30 in the Glover Park neighborhood of D.C. Littles can purchase tickets or make a donation at Rose, R-O-S-E, for hope. Roseforhope.com. A ticket will get you all the rosé you can drink, assorted snacks, and Georgetown cupcakes. Thanks for the years of laughs and all the best. Uh, and Max is from the Murray class of 2015. P.S. One final shout out to Michael, who once called me a strong lefty on your yep. podcast when discussing my golf game, and thus destined me to swing out of my shoes for the rest of my life. <laughs> Trying to hit it out of the range at East Potomac Park. <laughs> Isn't that Straight nice. into the flight path. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Every Murray kid has great memories of Glover Park. A lot of homecomings down at Duke Ellington. That's great. That yeah. is great to know. Uh, let me get to the cheating golfer. What's his first name? His name is Doden. His uh, last name is Doden. Yes. Did you see the apology? <clears throat> no. He, um, after his card was signed by the person who he played against, his competitor, which is what happens in golf when you sit at a table and you sign the cards, he then changed a couple of scores in order to uh, let me just make take a the look cut. at that. Uh, let me just take a look at that 18th again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to make That's the cut. A, it's not a double bogey. And no. he got caught. And Wilbon said yesterday on the air, should he be banned for life? And I said, I don't know about life, but... 
Certainly one to two years starting immediately. You just can't have this. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think he should be banned from every professional competition. It's the one thing that you can't do. Don't touch the ball when it's at rest. And don't pick up a, an eraser and change the number. It's it's just a bad look for the sport. The uh, sport continues to carry a lot of the vestiges of privilege and people who think that they can control the outcome of something. Uh, see but it is offices. the only sport that self-polices other sports realize that people are ten, tend to cheat, so they have umpires and referees. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a certain criteria of uh, behavior that you have to meet to be able to enter and qualify for a golf tournament. That brings undue attention. It's just it's just so small, and it and it's so outside of the self and what it means to affect other golfers. Because we forget it's not just you. It's not one v one. You're not just playing with. Uh, the person who's marking your card, you're not just playing with your group, but you're going up against the entire field. And what are the implications for the for the cut for people's ability to have any momentum going forward professionally? So you would you'd boot him. I'd boot this guy. Okay. All right. Hanging uh, Chad. Did, well, let me just see. Is that a did, five? How did they find out? Was there somebody banging a, like a trash can I don't nearby? Know. I don't, yeah, like Houston. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, not like those Columbia kids at the 2008 Ivies who were dumping golf balls off the 18th. <laughs> you didn't like. You thought they cheated. They right? definitely cheated. You thought Columbia. No, those cheated. golf balls were from a practice round. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about they those. Cheated. They did. I, I remember that. Um, we'll do soccer briefly. I'm not a soccer guy. Lionel Messi had two goals last night. I'm sure we're going to have to talk about this in the lead spot on PTI. Lionel Messi is going to get goals all the time in the MLS. It's an inferior brand of soccer to what he is used to. He's just coming out of winning a World Cup, and the MLS is not anywhere close and coming out of being one of, being the one of, anyway, greatest stars in Europe where soccer is great. MLS is not close to that. More important in soccer is the best player in the world right now is Kylian Mbappe. And Kylian Mbappe, and I think they were teammates at Paris Saint-Germain, although I could be wrong. I'm not Mr. Soccer. Kylian Mbappe was offered by a Saudi Arabian team $776 million to play there. And you'd say, well, how's that? Like 15 years, 20 years? How about one year? $776 million for one year. There was a report yesterday that he was not interested in that. Not interested. Hold on a second, Sparky. <laughs> He's interested in that. Everybody's interested. You're interested. You may not do it, but you're interested. He makes an ungodly sum of money now. He makes like $125 million from Paris Saint-Germain. This is a raise of $650 million for one year. For one year, kids. One year. One year. So please don't tell me he's not interested. Just don't change the retirement age in, in France. That's right. <laughs> right. Or Macron goes down the drain. Um, we had something happen to us yesterday in the PTI show that I wanted to talk about. Around 2 o'clock or something like that. At 11 o'clock, I find out what the show is. I work on it till about 2. At 2, I call Daniel Light to try to prepare for it, and we sort of finalize stuff. And we were going to open yesterday with Saquon Barkley, and then Daniel said to me, no, we have another open. And I said, what's that? And he said, Bronny James has had cardiac arrest. And it wasn't yesterday. It was the day before. So people were just finding out about it. And I said, gosh, I... I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not saying we can't or shouldn't do it, but I don't know if you want to lead with that because it really changes the tone of the show. It changes the next few stories of the show. You can't 
be as funny or as combative as you want to be because you're coming out of it's like with Damar Hamlin. I mean, it it changes everything. And the difference to me was that Damar Hamlin was a professional athlete, and that happened on national television. And you saw the profound way in which everybody on the field was affected. I didn't know anything about LeBron James Jr. And not only that, he's 18 years old. He's entering college as a freshman. Um, I think he has, and I think the family has rights to privacy on these issues that I'm not sure professional athletes have in the same way. Had this been LeBron James Sr., I look at it differently than LeBron James Jr. And I was, you know, look, there's a chain of command. And I accept the decision that that was going to be the first part of the show. But I also said this um, because I was told by a couple of people we're going to get more details on this as the day goes on. I said, no, we're not. No, we're not. This is an 18-year-old kid in a college environment, and his father is one of the most famous athletes in the world. And his father and his mother have asked for privacy during this moment. We are not getting anything more. We got what we got, and we're going to have to deal with it. And, and so it led both Mike and I to talk of personal experiences. Or, or what I said was, we don't have many facts, but we have a lot of feelings. And both of us wanted to get out of that story as quickly as possible because we understood that the rest of the show is going to have a tonal change. It's going to be different, different than something we do. Now, I don't know if we did. I think we did a good job. Mike and I agreed. I said, Mike, I'll throw the question to you. When you're done, I'll do it. And when I'm done, we're going to the next. Let's not go back and forth. We're going to the next thing. And, and we were both good with that. So I don't know. I don't know if it worked. Um, but those are the sorts of stories that make me very, very uneasy. Because to me, because I'm a dad, you know, and the privacy of my children, I, I'm not private. I get it. I'm not, but the privacy of my children is a different issue. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And it's, it's always uncomfortable when you see the celebrity response, and this is different from PTI's response, as to how do they discuss that in the shared community that you have, which is usually through social media. Yeah, and then you see the hierarchy of whose tweet or message DeMar gets Hamlin. promoted. Yeah. How personal is it? How close are you to the family? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think you're totally correct in terms of age, position, family member, the son of. You don't want to... You don't want to necessarily bring that cardiac arrest to the a, front. It's and a frightening term, but there's probably a, a pretty wide latitude as to what cardiac arrest means on your body, from mild to 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 you're done. Right, it kills you, and we don't know the degree to that. And I knew we were not going to know that. So yeah, and you look at the uh, with with Hamlin, you look at it's where and how it happened in terms oh. of you know, the live football telecast. Oh, sure. So it, it connects the audience, uh, for better or for worse, to the primary event, and you slowly are going to get those updates that you bring you back to that moment, which is totally different than 18-year-old son of. Yeah, that's, that's how I felt. One small last thing. Uh, Nigel brought over oh. Trader Joe's Coffee Bean Blast ice cream. Um, and I ate some last night. Does it have any schmutz in it? I didn't get down deep enough to find schmutz. I di- it didn't appear to have schmutz in it. I didn't see so is, any is this, a, this has to be a quart size, not it's a... It's pretty big. 
Yeah, it's not. It's a, pretty big. It's bigger than a pint. Yeah, yeah, because you could take down a. You'd at least get to the bottom of a pint. <laughs> <laughs> and it was too sweet. Ah, filled with sugar. And I looked at the side, and it has three different references to cane sugar. Okay. So it's not bad. Right. It's better it's than just. It's better than oatly, right? Well, oatly. Well, it's ice cream. <laughs> yeah, oatly is actually not ice. It's not cream. a milk-like product. <laughs> it's not ice cream. It's but, made from acorns. And it's okay. And I'll finish it. So I said, well, 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 in my I finish, Of course you're going to finish I it. I finish yeah, everything. But it's well, a we little have, too sweet. All right. We, we've got some feelers. The standard. The, I hate to do this because I don't think that. Baskin Robbins. I, I don't think they make great stuff. But that coffee that they used to make, their Baskin Robbins Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Yeah. is the best coffee I've ever had. Dark. Yeah. It's wonderful. And not too sweet. Yeah, I, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be sweet. I'm just saying you know there's sweet too, and it's too sweet. Now what what my wife points out to me is that I'm an old man and my taste buds are dead because I don't taste anything the way regular people do. Like last night we brought in Peking duck, and I didn't particularly like it. The plum sauce had no taste. The scallions had no taste. And then she ate it and said it had Plenty lots of taste. Of taste. <laughs> So this is to prove her point that I have no taste. What was wrong with uh, Carol's pork tenderloin the other night? Because the recipe that you criticize is the recipe I shared with her. It, it Differently than the one that you cooked, which had lightness and piquance, if there is such a word. This, the, this was heavy. This, this had a heavy taste to it. It was, not, it was not something you would go back for a few extra pieces. All right. And it was fine. It, it's fine, and I have two slabs left that, of course, of course you can eat. I it's will a have to eat. Oh, yeah. Now, with the ice cream, how much? Uh, what's the eye test playing into this? Are you looking at it Look expecting good. a certain color? It, like it if had, it, if it was it's a too dark. light, do you just assume it's sweet? No, this was dark. Um, no, I mean, the lightest coffee I've ever seen is Breyers. It's very, very pale. haagen is pale compared to, to what this the was. Trader Joe's. I just felt that there was a little too much sugar in this, but... Again, I will finish it. You're bringing over more at some point. I've got some lines out for some for some others. That well, where are, are you getting very... the freezer space for this? In that new apartment of yours. <laughs> the, the new apartment, yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, a huge space. But no, I actually went and parked two blocks away from Trader Joe's. Sprinted so you don't over. want to go to the park. Your, I knew your car could not make it out. You don't have the mirrors to get out of there. <laughs> it would just be trapped. Yeah. So sprint in and sprint out. Try and take a manual up that incline on no, the garage. Thank you. No, thank you. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Jason Lockenfora joins us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Anger out sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show. Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Nate Harar, who records under the name of Dalton. We have used his stuff. Yes, like him very much. He writes, when I started to send you my music back in 2013, I was a single struggling musician living in New York City. 
Since then, I moved to Los Angeles, signed a record deal, released a few albums, signed a publishing deal, and got married. After nine years in L.A., I'm headed back to the East Coast to start a life in Connecticut, and we'll be releasing my fourth album on July 21st, so it's out already, called Northern Lights. This is one of the songs from that album. This is called Channel Swimmer. Um, we like Dalton. Yes, very much. Yeah. So we're happy for his success and Dalton, his marriage. Yes, for those who wonder, is named for Patrick Swayze's character in Roadhouse. Okay. So okay. even more reason to love this. Okay, so we like that. Again, Channel Swimmer by Dalton. Uh, plays in Jason Locke and Fora. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Orioles down the road, because I like talking about the Orioles. But let's start with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley signed a deal with the Giants. And ultimately, when all is said and done, it will be worth $900,000 over what he would have gotten if he simply signed the franchise tag for all running backs, which is $10.1 million. So this is not Jalen Brown. Let's, this is not, you know, the Herbert, the quarterback for the Chargers. This is a marginal 9% raise over what he would have gotten for a Pro Bowl running back. What does this signing mean, Jason? Well, it's just another um, data point, an, another uh, piece of anecdotal and empirical evidence that this position is just not valued the way a lot of others are in, in the NFL, and that's that's not going to change it's not going to change anytime soon, and there isn't a player, you know, who has an NFL career to this point that's going to change it. Um, now, I don't know what B. John Robinson's going to become, you know, or Jameer Gibbs, or maybe there's some kid, you know, who's in high school right now, who's whatever, five or six years away from changing this whole thing, this paradigm, or, or whatever. But teams are going to spend their money the way they want to spend it. Um, teams are going to value certain areas of production and, and certain attributes above others. Um, and running backs right now are, are on the short end of the stick. And, it, it, look, I, I applaud them for this sort of attempt this stab at, at solidarity and unity and them having Zooms and conference calls and them trying to get their messaging out there. Um, but in the middle of that, one of their most prominent dudes, um, who was one of the faces of this sort of, you know, running back summer of discontent, and it kind of started early on with Austin Eckler, right? He wanted a trade. He wanted to go somewhere else where he could get paid. He found out that didn't really exist and we've seen it with with Dalvin Cook and you know we're we're seeing it here with with Barkley one of their sort of main faces of this fight just basically caved i mean caved right at a time when they're talking about should we all try to hold out you know should more of us hold out what should we do like they could tag him again next year he he didn't right. even sort of get that assurance that hey you're you're out of the franchise tag game with the New York Giants. We would never hit you with a second one. And I don't blame the Giants in any of this either. In fact, I'm still shocked that they tagged him in the first place. I thought they would put the low tag, the non-exclusive tag on the quarterback, Daniel Jones, 
and they would let Saquon Barkley find out for himself that nobody else is going to pay you like we're going to pay you. It's just not going to be what you think you're worth. Um, it, that's where it stands. That's what it is. It, it's not changing anytime soon. Um, and, and look, even a Christian McCaffrey who, you know what, we got to go back, I don't know, three, four years when he got his $15 million a year. Within 18 months of that happening, he had missed a lot of time, and people were saying, hmm, that, that might be a bad contract, you know, and they're able to move him to San Francisco, and, and they got, you know, pretty decent compensation, but probably not what a lot of people thought they could get at the moment they signed them. It's almost like when you take a car off a lot, right? And they say it's already starting to depreciate the moment you get that brand new car, you know, halfway home down the, you know, down, down 495 or whatever. That's sort of what it seems to be with these guys. And, and I just don't see that changing. I don't think Saquon Barkley had a better option. I don't think he did. No. If he sits out, they can still tag him, and he just loses $10 million. What's the point? Well, I, I guess by doing it now, he's got to show up versus when you're on the tag, right, you could let them sweat a little bit through preseason games. Right. Maybe you're thinking whatever replacement level or below replacement level guys that they have filling your spot right, might really kind of struggle in the preseason. And, you know, maybe there starts to be a little bit more heat the deeper you go. You know, so, so you could play that game, and we, we, could, we could sort of quibble about whether that may have created a scenario where he could get more than this or slightly more than this. Um, but I, I guess in, in general, the... the there's no other team that's looking at this through a drastically different no, prism. No, who's willing to say, "Yeah, yeah, give me all the running backs," or I, I want to come up with an offense where I'm playing. You know, I'm 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 getting three running backs on the field at once, and and because you guys don't want them, I'll take them, and I'll take them cheaper than they're worth, and I'll figure out how to use them. That's just not how this is working. Um, the obvious question to me, and I'm sure there's an answer is where is the NFLPA in this? You are watching one of, historically, the most valued positions in football, the position that gave you Jim Brown and Gail Sayers and Walter Payton. You are watching this become devalued minute by minute by minute. Where's the NFLPA? Well, you know, there's a new NFLPA executive director. I guess he came from Booz Allen. I don't know much about him because they didn't even want you to know he existed through most of what was a very clandestine process about who was going Mm -hmm. to replace Smith, Smith. how and when he was going to be replaced, who he or she was competing with for that um, vote and for that position. Uh, And look, I guess if I were coming into that job and I was looking at the landscape of the NFL and the, the the constant battles that must be fought with these owners, and, and I'm kind of going to put together a checklist, right, or I'm going to kind of put, put a numerical value assigned to each of these many battles that I must fight and how important I think it is. Like, are, are, they, are they going to try to, ride, like, take the lowest end of this paying spectrum now and raise it incrementally, or, or are they going to try to 
make what's happening with quarterbacks continue to happen, but happen you know at, at an even greater rate, or, or instead of it going from fifty million to fifty point two million to fifty point two five million, are we you know are we going to try to get that expedited because that's what really lifts everything else, right? That's what really moves the meter. That's what, what you know, the rising tide that pulls yeah. all the other boats. Yeah. Like, am I going to go bottom to top, or am I going to just keep – am I going to find a way to come up with a CBA exemption for quarterbacks, right, that forces these people to keep spending on all these other Other positions, positions. yes. Because we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, uh, assign a different numerical value to quarterbacks in terms of how their cap number is computed versus everybody else, right? Like, if I, I were going to try to get running backs paid – I wouldn't make the argument that you have to pay all these running backs. I'd try to find a way to take quarterbacks off the table so that maybe the trickle-down effect brings up Makes what is sense. now Makes being sense. valued even less than offensive guards, Yeah, you know, for, for the most part, especially at the high end of the spectrum, you know, and, and try to lift running backs that way. I, I think that's probably the approach because, again, I, I don't know how you could go to – a GM or an owner, and trust me, I have plenty of issues with plenty of the people in those positions, and say you're not paying the you know guys enough money. No, the to, market to the, the marketplace determines it. It determines yeah, and catch it. it and catch it. You know, occasionally it's like in baseball when all of a sudden, you know, walks and on base percentage started to matter, right? And things started to shift around. Um, there was a trickle down effect there. It, it, or, or even the, what teams are doing now with relief pitching, right? And yeah. I'd rather have three high-leverage relievers and not care who my fourth and fifth starter is, you know, like the, sort of the Rays do. Like, you can't tell them that that's not a fair and equitable and, and, and um, okay, fine, good way to build a team. No, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not fair and equitable with running backs. I'm saying it's jarring. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it, it absolutely I mean, it's jarring. is. I mean, there, there has yeah. been a major shift there, but I, I, I don't think we're going to get back to that yeah. Adrian Peterson type precipice. Okay. For a long, long time. All right. Let me get to the Orioles. Uh, they're now in first place. They lost last night. Thrilling game in uh, yes. Philadelphia. Totally thrilling walk off game. T- just totally thrilling. I guess my question isn't how good they are because we know how good they are. Mm-hmm. You live there. Are the fans yeah. have the fans? This was in Philadelphia last night, so I don't yeah. know. Have the fans come back? What what percentage yeah. have come back? I mean, I, I think you know this has gone from a team where you're wondering is there going to be eight, is there going to be ten, is there going to be twelve, to like a weekday game. You know, even against a team like the Marlins or whatever, who aren't that sexy. Um, you're in the 20s somewhere, you know what I mean? Are mm-hmm. we low 20s? Are we mid 20s? Is there is there a giveaway of some sort that moves it even more? You know, is there a, another one of these rookies? Is Grayson Rodriguez about to make his first start, or you know, who, whoever else they they call up at a certain point has to encourage that, whatever. Um, so there's those factors, and then you know, on the weekends, like the, the Yankees are coming in this weekend. I suspect when we do our show from Pickles on Friday afternoon across Pickles. the street from, right. from the ballpark, I think by four thirty, five o'clock, it'll be Bedlam in there. And I think they'll have, you know, 35 to, I don't know, mid to, to high 30s. Um, Are you giving away anything at Pickles uh, that people should know about? Uh, we give away uh, Chuck Bucks, your buddy Chuck Sapienza. Oh, yeah. Uh, we get a little bit of a stipend when we're there. We get to pay with coupons that I've dubbed Chuck Bucks. So, yeah, if you come in and you say something in particular, you whisper in her ear, you know, 
I love T-Bone, who's like the guy on our show. We oh. might buy you a, a Natty Bow or something like that with Chuck Bucks. But, yeah. but we've got koozies. <laughs> we got 1057 The Fan koozies. There you go. I own that. They never go out of style. Let never. me tell well, you. Well, no, those they've never boys. been in they, style. Yeah, they never change. Classic. Yeah. Running backs might be devalued. 1057 koozies hold their value forever. All right. Plug your, um, since you're plugging your radio show now, just plug it and then plug it again. Uh, okay, you can listen to me, yeah, from 2 to 6 Eastern Time, uh, pretty much every weekday on 105.7 The Fan. We are talking quite a bit of Orioles, sure. if that's your flavor, and obviously the Ravens have started camp as well. You can listen to us at 105.7 The Fan or on the Odyssey app. Um, yeah, and look, I, I this one goes out to the running backs everywhere. I just, I just wish I could help your plight, but... Uh, that, what, what you're saying is. about it, you know, this this was my position on Title IX was always this. I agree with Title IX. Exempt football. Take football out of the mix mm. and then go body for body, dollar for dollar. I'm good with that. But if you keep football in, which is 85 people, yeah. you know, then other sports are going to have to go. So if you can exempt quarterbacks from the larger issue of yes. salary cap – other things will float. They'll float. I agree with you. I don't think that you can do it, but I think that's the way to try, right? I do. Yeah, it's pretty far down the road at this point. I yeah. mean, the way this has worked now through, what, four different iterations of collective bargaining agreements. Um, look, and if you could take the franchise tag away, then yeah. I mean, because that's, that's the trigger mechanism for these yeah. guys now. Because, well... If that if 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 no one's really doing it on their own and raising base salaries and now the franchise tag is stagnant or going down going down a little bit, well, I'm even more I'm even more incentivized to use it on that position sure. to keep it free sure. and squat on that guy. And and if we really think through the course of a five year deal, you'll be lucky if you get two and a half good years out of them. Then why wouldn't I just squat on them with those two franchise tags? So, You're 100 percent right. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. That, that's sort of where it is. Maybe there maybe a designation that a running back could only ever be tagged once automatically right. like could they get something like that i doubt it but maybe you gotta try and we'll see you at pickles on saturday right well, saturday? No, friday friday i'm sorry yeah friday it's i'll drive weekday. yeah but if you're gonna Nigel's be there saturday drive. tone i will be there and i'll give you all the koozies you tell me you get no yeah. numbers too high you want 50 koozies i'll be there with 50 koozies Jason Lock and Fora, boys and girls who's simply great we will take a break mark feinsand will join us when we return i'm tony kornheiser The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Dalton. 
this is called A Long Way From Home. Uh, and this is off a new album, right? Well, you can visit the website at www.daltontheband.com. So you could do that. The album is called Northern Lights. It was released earlier this week. <clears throat> Michael, if people like Dalton want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. It's a talented kid. Very much so. Yeah, yes. He's a talented kid. Plays in Mark Fine. Thanks, here. Dad. You're a talented kid, too, but I just needed to hear it from you. <laughs> Plays in Mark Feinstein, and we want to talk about baseball, and we want to talk about the impending trade deadline, but is there a Portugal story you have for us? Is there something that has moved you in terms of Portugal? Uh, yeah, I'm not going back. Yeah. Uh, and, I don't want to, and I don't want to blame the country because it, <laughs> uh, it was a very nice country. We had a, you know, some nice times there. But United Airlines no. uh, essentially ruined my vacation with my wife. This is a Wilbon position. Wilbon hates United, loves yes. American. Yeah, my problem is I live in, you know, Newark, New Jersey. So, right. like, if you fly to Newark Airport, you're just stuck. They just got you. Right. And they canceled my first flight. They, I'll give you the really brief. They canceled my first flight. They couldn't get me out for three more days. When they finally got us out, they lost our luggage. We didn't have it the entire oh. vacation. Uh, so our eight-day vacation turned into a five-day vacation with no clothing, which we had to buy every day because they kept telling us, oh, it'll be here tomorrow. But it was never there. Um, and then they canceled our flight on the way home. Whoa. The whole thing was a complete disaster. I, I've written a long letter. I have to still send in the receipts for all the... Oh, and by the way, they couldn't get us on a flight home uh, for like three more days, but I had to go to the All-Star game, so I ended up having to buy my own tickets on Air Portugal to come home for like $1,900 a piece. So basically, it was a complete disaster, and I'm, uh, uh, I'm just happy that it's over. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play? Well, the one great thing, Tony, is that I did get to spend last weekend in Wayne County, Pennsylvania. So that oh. always makes me happy. Okay. Um, so that, you know, I didn't take United to get there. I just got in my car and drove. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a harrowing vacation experience. And I've been doing a lot of traveling for the last 25 years, and I've never seen anything quite like this before. Uh, and uh, I would think... I mean, honestly, so I've been to Portugal in my life and enjoyed it very, very much. We were in a section called the Algarve uh, before the Olympics in 1992 in Barcelona, and I really enjoyed Portugal, and the Portuguese people liked Americans, and at that period of time, not every country in Europe liked Americans, so I don't have your experience at all, but I would think that this is something that United Airlines would get to long before this phone call. Right? You you would think so. Yes, uh, we, I would. I, we we spent about four hours a day on hold oh. during the trip with United, just trying to oh locate the baggage. Oh, this might be the actually I may have missed the best part of the story. So my bag shows up in Lisbon the night before we're scheduled to come home. Oh, good. At least you got your luggage, which is perfect. My yeah. wife, my brother-in-law, and and his partner, their bags were not there. We get home on July fifth. We are supposed to come home on the fourth. We get home on the fifth. They tell me on the 5th that my wife's bag is being delivered to my house that day. I said, perfect. That's great, because, you know, she needs all her stuff. Uh, it doesn't show up that day. So I called them on the morning of the 6th, and I said, hey, the bag never showed up. Uh, and they said, oh, well, it was put on a flight to Lisbon this morning. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. And, I, and I said, well, why would that have happened? We're already back in the States. And they said, well, our itinerary shows that you're going to be in Portugal until July 4th. I said, it's July 6th. <laughs> 
Yeah. I don't even understand the words coming out of your mouth. Anyway, the bags <laughs> did go to Portugal. They came back. They finally got them back. But, yeah, the incompetence of the airline was really staggering. And, of course, we're moving my son to college in a couple of weeks. And guess what airline we're taking? United. How yeah. high up in the chain did you go? Did you call the president? You know, this is what I would do. I'd be calling the president of United. Uh, I mean, I would try. I haven't. It's really impossible to find numbers to call some of these folks. Right. Uh, my my big letter, the the short novel that I wrote, uh, detailing our experience uh, for this trip, uh, has been cc'd to many many top executives at United, including Linda Jojo, who is the customer care, uh, the chief customer Get officer, back, or something like that. Linda Jojo. We mm. I have a feeling by the time this is all over, Linda and I might be friends. Yeah. Wow. That's a terrible. Terrible story. It is. It's awful. That's the nightmare. You you plan a vacation X amount of months in advance, and then they cut three days off it at the front end. What yep. is that? Yep. It was bad. It was bad. Don't it they was, go uh, daily to Lisbon? Don't they go multiple times a day? Yes. Yeah, so and they couldn't find room anywhere. I, wow. I don't know. And I, I just want to read this. I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure Mark is aware of this, that the United Airlines CEO, Scott Kirby, while all this was going on and all these flights were being canceled, apparently Scott Kirby decided to fly privately instead of taking United. And then that was discovered that. and had to apologize for the optics of that. Scott Kirby. The, yeah. I believe it was the same day. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we'll move on. Trade deadline. Uh, what do the Angels do with Shohei? I think they keep him. Uh, you know, Me too. Look, Artie Moreno has almost been looking for reasons to keep him, and his team's given them to him right now, right? They've won, what, seven of their last ten? I think they were maybe seven of their last eight. Uh, they're three games over 500. Um, you know, they're only three and a half games out of a playoff spot, and this is a team that hasn't been to the postseason since 2014, hasn't won a playoff game since 2009, and uh, I think that however small the chances are, that the Angels keep Otani after this year. Their best shot to trying to keep him would be to get to the playoffs, let him see a playoff atmosphere in Anaheim, come in with a really reasonably competitive offer and say, look, you like it here, you've seen how, what it means to win here, we're going to add to this team with you and we're going to try to really go for it. I don't think that's actually going to happen, but that's their only path to keeping him. Yes, I agree. Uh, but I just don't. I don't know that they're going to trade them. I think right now they they're envisioning big big crowds as they try to get to the playoffs. Big crowds as he chases down sixty home runs. And uh, I think baseball wise, they should trade him. But I understand the argument against it from an angel standpoint. Um, I don't think he goes anywhere. I would absolutely not trade him, and I'd take my best shot. And if he left me, he left me. It's okay. But I would not want to embarrass myself by watching him hit 60 home runs for another team. I wouldn't do that. Will the Cubs, what will the Cubs do with Cody Bellinger, who is now the best player in baseball in the last week? I think he gets traded. You know, the only complication to Bellinger, you know, and the Cubs are one of those, I wrote a story today about these eight so-called bubble teams that are, you know, sort of on the fringe of the playoff race. The Cubs are five games out of a wild card. They're six games out in the division, but they're two games under 500. I mean, they're not a very good team. Uh, the only complication with Bellinger is he's owed a lot of money. Uh, he's, he's owed about $4 million on his contract this year, and he's got a $5 million buyout for the big mutual option next year that one side will decline because mutual options are never picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's $9 million for a two-month rental. Uh, so if the Cubs are going to pay that down a little bit, then they'll get something decent in return. 
But nine million—that's you know nine million for two months. There aren't a whole lot of teams that are eager to take that on. That said, he is well. Probably... The Saudi Arabian Soccer League will take that on for <laughs> two days. They'll be that's happy true. to do that. Other that's than true. Shohei and Bellinger, who is the biggest name you think will be moved? Um, Marcus Stroman's going to probably be one of them. Lucas Giolito uh, will probably be one of them. Um, you come you know, back I home. think. I think uh, you know. There, there's not ton of starting pitching, and there are a ton of teams that could use starting pitching. Right. Um, I think your boy Candelario probably gets moved. Um, He's a good player. He's a good player. to me, the one caveat is the Padres, who are another one of those bubble teams, six games out of a wild card right now. If they have a bad four, five, six days ahead of them, and they decide to sell, they could put Blake Snell and Josh Hader, who are both going to be free agents. They could put those guys out there. Uh, because if you've decided to pack it in, the guys who are going to be free agents, you may as well move. So uh, if Snell and Hader become available, that immediately becomes the best pitcher and the best reliever uh, that are going to be moved. Uh, save that, you know, unless St. Louis decides to get really crazy and trade Arenado, which I don't expect. Um, you know, there will be a lot of good players moved, but I don't think you're going to see anything to the extent of the Juan Soto, Manny Machado type right. of trade deadline guy. Mets and the Yankees, are they sellers or are they buyers? Uh, I think the Mets ultimately will be sellers. Really? Um, you know, they're seven out of a wild card. They're six games under five they They're just not, uh, you know, I guess if they don't lose again until the deadline, maybe, you know, pull up back to five hundred, get within four games of a wild card. It's tough to think about selling if you're the Mets because – you know, if you somehow get in, you've got enough talent to make a run, just <laughs> yes. like the Padres. Yes. You know, if the Padres yes. find a way into the playoffs, they might be one of the favorites, right? Because they'll be obviously playing well. Snell, Musgrove, and Darvish with all those hitters. And, you know, the Mets are the same thing. If, if Scherzer and Verlander are pitching well and Senga and you've got all the, you know, good lineup. But I don't think the Mets are going to unload anything big. But, you know, Dave Robertson, Tommy Pham, uh, Mark Canna, these guys will bring something back. And uh, if they're still you know, sort of wallowing in that seven games out. So you don't now, see them so. moving Scherzer or Verlander, right? Verlander I, last night, two hits in six innings. Yeah, it just, they just made too much money. Okay. I don't think any team is willing to take on a $43 million guy um, and give anything up in return. And I just don't think uh, the Mets, I don't, I don't see either of those guys moving. The Yankees, I think, will be buyers, but I don't know if they'll be big buyers, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to go out there and, and trade away their top three prospects for anybody. But, you know, they're two and a half out of a wild card. So, you know, it's in their DNA. They're not, they're not sellers by, by trade, right? Brian Cashman's been a seller once in 25 years. Um, and I think they're looking for a lot of help. They need a catcher. Their catcher just got hurt for the year. Uh, they need a left fielder. They want a starter. They want a reliever. So they need a bunch of things. So I think it'll be one of those improving on the margins and, uh, you know, sort of trying to upgrade where you can. Um, you know, they're a team I could see with Bellinger. Maybe they'd pull a deal for Bellinger and Stroman. That would be a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would probably take the kind of prospects that I don't know that Cashman's willing to move. Wilbon hates the fact that the Mets and Yankees are playing each other and people care about it. He just, you know, <laughs> hates everything about I-95 in New York and all this other nonsense. But I am focused on this. To my knowledge, and maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I just don't remember, no manager has been fired to this point this year, I don't think, right? Am I right on that? No manager yet? Uh, I don't believe so. Right. Do you see either Showalter or Boone getting fired? Not in season. 
Um, right. I, you know, Boone, I don't see getting fired. I mean, and look, at the end of the day, you look at the Yankees this year. They were 11 or 12 games over 500. Aaron Judge gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, and, and they just go in the tank. And, and, you know, Rizzo can't hit all of a sudden. And LeMay, you can't hit all of a sudden. And Stanton can't hit all of a sudden. And, you know, they have these injuries. And I, I'm not a big blame the manager guy generally. Um, you know, the hitting coach took the fall because all those guys couldn't hit. Right. Uh, who knows if Sean Casey's really making a difference or not. You know, Judge is expected back maybe this weekend. So I don't think Boone has anything to worry about. He's in early, the early part of an extension. Uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner doesn't really like to pay people not to work. So uh, I don't think Boone is in trouble unless, you know, unless this season really goes in the tank. If they finish in last place but they're, you know, Eight games over five hundred, right? Like, let's say they finish it's with the greatest division in any sport ever. Come on, yeah, right? I mean, they, they'd be in first place in two other, you know, a couple yeah. of divisions or, or close to it anyway. Um, Showalter's interesting because the Mets are just a complete dumpster fire this year in terms of the expectations that they had compared to where they are. I mean, this was a team that's spending, you know, with with the luxury tax, well over four hundred million dollars. Wow. Uh, and they're six games under five hundred. Bopping money, you know <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that Buck is going to get fired, but it wouldn't stun me if they decided to make a change because I think they're they're looking to bring in a president of baseball operations first and foremost. Most people believe that will very well be David Stearns, who used to be with the Brewers. Uh, his contract with Milwaukee is finally up this year, and he's free to to go where he pleases. He's a New York kid, grew up a Mets fan, started with the Mets early in his career. Uh, and if Stearns is the is brought in to run the show, um, you know, he may be given the the option of, you know, do you want to hire your own yeah. manager? Yeah. So if Stearns comes in, then Buck may be on the way out just because, you know, guys who run teams like to often like to import their own managers when they when they get those jobs. Thank you for all of this, but I certainly hope that you get recompense from United Airlines and and you know not just what they owe you but more but more i mean this is nightmarish right i i will keep you updated this is this is i don't expect this to be a short process but i right. expect it to be one that uh hopefully comes to a, a happy ending were you able to enjoy anything about portugal while you were there or was was it just too hectic because of everything that happened the truth is we were able to enjoy the last two days we did a couple of tours we went to cinta um you know we did a, a called a tuk tuk tour of the city these little these little carts that drive you around the city yeah. in lisbon those were fun the first four days we were there oh. i mean we literally spent four four to five hours a day on the phone with united trying to figure out where our bags were and then when they told us that they weren't going to be there that day you had to go out and find clothes because yeah. we weren't you know, if we had bought five days' worth of clothes on the first day, then that would have been fine. But they wouldn't have reimbursed us for those if the luggage showed up the next day. So we just kept piecemealing it together every awesome. day. Awesome. It wasn't great. It awesome. wasn't great. Awesome. Thank you. Talk soon. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls. This is a nightmare story. <laughs> a nightmare story. Like Wilbon's nightmares are, they, I had to not sit in first class. I was in business class. Well, there's it's a not, dog that took a dump. Yeah, the dog. It's just not, not as bad. Uh, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony's mailbag got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, thank you. I was texting with Gary this weekend. How is he? He's great. He got uh, to play golf. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, that's played a new route. Do you want to do the Bethesda bagel yet? Because we had hot bagels today. Yeah, the sesame seed bagels, we right? Had a couple of hot bagels. Yeah, today. that's always a great day when it happens. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location and the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That will do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, let me tell you about a place somewhere up New York way where the people are so gay, twisting the night away. Here they have a lot of fun putting trouble on the run. Man, you find the old and young twisting the night away. That song is at least 60 years old, yes, maybe older. Probably 60. And that's yeah, Sam Cooke. Yeah. That's Sam Cooke. It's just great. I Thanks. gave you gave you just the first well, line, you, you, and you rolled right through the entire Of course. This is what I do. I can't help it. I'll be doing that in uh, the old age home pretty soon. Thanks to our guests today, Mark Fine, Sam, Jason Locke, and Fora. Thanks to our sponsors today, Grammarly and Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. From Steve Miller on the subject of cruises in Heston, Pennsylvania. I have heard from multiple people that the river cruises are fantastic. The history, architecture, and foods were fantastic from what I've been told. My question to you is, how are you getting there? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the a trouble. problem. And I want to thank Lori Turoff. And I want to thank David Andrews in Adelaide, Australia for their help with the cruises. Um, Apparently, these Viking River cruises are Do they very, get the norovirus as well? I don't know. Cases way up this year on the, on the cruises. Mm. On the European River cruises? I, I, don't, know if, on, I don't know if it's on the, on the river yeah. cruises. I think you have to order that big specially. Ones. Yeah. I, Just I, get the squirt of hand sanitizer as a starter. <laughs> uh, from Tom Dore in Chicago, Illinois. That Tom Dore? Mr. Tony, my dad, Tom, and great friends E.J. Jones had a wonderful time playing golf with Michael and Chan last Wednesday at the Dunes Club. My dad, like Chan, was also an independent school administrator. And when I asked how he enjoyed the round, he talked all about their conversation about schools and education. Then I called EJ and he said, well, the highlight had to be the first tee when Chan figured out his son-in-law had loaded his wife's clubs into his bag. So he had to stand up to that first tee shot with Moni's driver. Is this true? Oh, yes, it is. 15 <laughs> years old, the old Callaway steelhead. How come that happened? <laughs> oh, they were playing the day before. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, from I was hoping this email was from Tom Dwyer Third. I just had, walking off probably the fourth or fifth tee, just had visions of all the father-sons he and I could just dominate. <laughs> uh, from Jeff. Dressed to impress. Have you, have listened to you during your previous overseas tour of duty in Rome, the late Gina Lola Brigida on Tel Aviv, Peter Yarrow gave me the eye roll at your mention in lieu of a TK salute. Now finally assigned to Germany, I have reason to write in. Tell John from Cape Girardeau that Munich traffic should be fine. <laughs> However, while I was away in Tunisia for work, they closed the Kaiserslautern Eisendellerhof Autobahn exit, so you have to take mm. the Umletung to the Kaiserslautern West exit. That's the one by the Ikea. Oh, so by the good. Ikea, that one. That's good to know. That's right, yeah. As he says, Danko. From John Albritton, or Albrighton in Wilmette, Illinois, is it too late for another comment about Mr. Tony and the amazing money-changing stripper? The man who authored I'm Back for More Cash meets a stripper flush with cash in a bank. Sounds like the perfect premise to revive Listen Up. Someone get Greg Garcia on the line. Listen yeah. up. Um, my friend Steve Hindisher came up to me yesterday because we were playing golf early in the morning at Columbia. And he said his daughter, Stephanie, said, 
she wants you to tell me the story about the money in the bank and trying to change a hundred. And I got to strippers. He went, what? <laughs> TK change a hundred. From Nate. They got some new uh, Ryder Cup gear. Yeah, oh, that's great. Mm. That's great. From Nate Perry mm. in Billings, Montana. On Monday's pod, a fellow little wrote in suggesting you should go to Yellowknife, Canada to golf off turf. Please allow me to be the first to suggest that if you were to seek out a place to play exclusively off turf, why not go even bigger in the trip planning? A mere 26-hour plane journey Mm. featuring a minimum of two layovers plus a nine-hour drive is all that separates you from the Opal Fields Golf Club in Coober Petty, South Australia, a course in the Australian outback with zero grass. (laughs) That also happens to be the only course in the world with reciprocal rights to the old course in St. Andrews. Story goes, at least as it was explained to me, executives of St. Andrews were visiting the area in the early 90s, and in exchange for a lease of an opal mine, Cooper Petty's primary industry, members of the Cooper Petty Club were granted reciprocity with the old course. And don't worry about not being able to see land once you arrive, of course, due to the high temperatures in the summer, average high in January of uh, 109 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the average. Many residents live in homes built almost completely underground, colloquially Hobbits. known as dugouts. If you were to go, be absolutely sure to bring Michael, not just to share in likely the most unique golfing experience of your lives, but also to help document the expedition. I'm back for more cash. would have nothing on the stories I imagine you would come back with. Do you think United friend, flies there? Our friend Ed <laughs> Butt. Yeah, but no luggage. <laughs> friend Ed Butt. Some wise person once said every golfer has three swings. A practice range swing, a practice swing, and a golf swing. They have absolutely nothing in common with each other. As I find out every time I take a six iron out on the actual course and ground ball it every single time. Uh, from Trevi Davis, formerly of St. Albans, Maine. I was gobsmacked to hear a reference to Marden's in your mailbag on the Monday show. This is the connective tissue I've been waiting for. As a Mainer, this was my lachesery moment. moment. Marden is hard to describe, but the following is from their website. We sell a wide variety of clothing, footwear, home goods, hardware, food, and more from overstocks, closeouts, and natural disasters. Let me repeat, (laughs) natural disasters. Personally, I was brought back to fine, fond childhood memories of smoke-damaged clothes, <laughs> expired toothpaste, a dented Eastern Little League bat my parents bought for me. As the jingle goes, I should have bought it when I saw it at Martin's. This is why your show stinks. You are able to connect people over the most inane things. I am so thankful for it. P.S. Tell Rennies and Caswells to eat it. I just... I'm, I've never been to Maine. I've never been to Maine. That's, yeah. uh, from Jeff Turner in Weston, Florida. And he writes, you know Weston. Of course I know Weston. He also writes episode 43, obviously. <laughs> Humble brag. I didn't know the immediate context of the title, so I was waiting with anticipation to hear it today. The title was Spats. I probably figured it wasn't, I figured it probably wasn't what I thought of. Lenny Moore, Hall of Fame running back for the Baltimore Colts, was nicknamed Spats because of his cleats, but I thought that would be a gangster movie reference. Now I have another frame of reference for Spats. Thank you to Dr. Hoffwaff. And from Rory Kimberlin in Gardner, Maine, Calais, Maine, C-A-L-A-I-S, is pronounced callous. C-A-L-A-I-S, pronounced callous. When the... While the French brought their names to Eastern Maine, the snooty accent left with them after the Seven Years' War. Information for backwoods dialect. If you're out on your bike tonight, even in Maine, everyone, as always, do wear white. Yeah, here's the thing. We're not the wonders right now. We're Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters.